0: Well hello, hello, hello. Uh, thank you for joining me for another Pause, Reset, Brunch monthly podcast. My name is Natalie Francis-Clark and uh, for this month I am joined today by uh, Tamara Francois. So before um, we get into the interview I am going to uh, read a bio. So Sergeant Tamara Francois was an active member of the United States Army. Her military career started in April of 2004 at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Sergeant Francois also completed her advanced individual training, AIT, as a motor transport operator, 88M. In the civilian world, that would be a truck driver. Sergeant Francois' duty stations consist of Fort Drum, New York, Fort Hood, Texas, Fort Benning, Georgia, and Fort Polk, Louisiana. She also was in the Army Reserve. Sergeant Francois served with 2125th Garion Support Unit out of Decatur, Georgia. In the midst of her active duty service, Sergeant Francois deployed in Kuwait, Iraq, and FBI. Afghanistan so let's welcome Mira Francois. Hey T. Hi how are you doing? I'm good I'm good so before I even get into it I always like to know um, if my guests if they're eating or drinking on anything at this moment.
1: No I'm not <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> okay um, for me I actually just had um, a light dinner so I am I am good Got some veggies and some uh, protein anyway let's just get right into it so T what motivated you to join the army and how did this journey begin
1: um well I started out I did four years of um ROTC
0: mm-hmm. in high
1: school and we was air force um ROTC and I you know I never like when I was in high school, I never thought about like joining the military or anything like that. Um Later on, I graduated and I ended up having my daughter. and mm-hmm. I had my first daughter, and I was nineteen. Um I was working at Target and I was going to school full time, and I was like, man, this just not working. It's not working out for me. It's like I'm and's not meeting. um I'll still stand my mom and my dad. And so I was like, oh, man, I just got to do something better. And I was like, OK, I'm going to go to the Air Force. You know, I did four years ROTC, so I might as well just go to the Air Force. And I was like, I was hesitant about it. So I was like, no, um, no, I'm not going to do it. And then I won my school that I was attending at the time. They wound up switching t- teachers for the third time. And so I was like, you know what? I can't learn this a different way again because each teacher came in with their own different way of how they wanted to teach surgical tech. Cause I was going to school for surgical tech at the time. Sorry. Okay. I left that mm-hmm. out. <laughs> and they was teaching it like each teacher came in with a different way. And it's like we had to start all over, all over again. So I just felt like I wasn't progressing in that field. So I said, Well, I'm just going to go to the military. Um, I work full time, I go to school full time. I might as well just go, and what my, what made me go is when they switched teachers for the third time, and so I went down to the Air Force to um to join because I already did the ABVAB test and everything when I was in high school, and when I was um when I went to them, they was like, oh sure you can you know sure you can join you can you can um. <clears throat> You know, no problem. But as soon as I told them that I had a a daughter, they was like, oh, okay, that's no problem. But you have to sign custody over. So I was like, well, no, that's the point of me going to the military is because I have a daughter and I want to um, be able to provide for my daughter. So they was like, no, you know, well, unless you give up custody of your daughter, that's the only way you'll be able to come to the Air Force. So I was sitting in the car crying and an army recruiter knocked on my door and they was like, she was like, what's wrong? And I I explained to her, well, I was trying to go to the Air Force. They said that I couldn't go because I have uh, a daughter. So they were like, well, you got somebody to watch it? I'm like, I think I do. And she was like, well, come on in here. And I'm a firm believer. What's for you is for you. Mm -hmm. And my dad was, you know, if what God have for you, it's for you, no matter what obstacle have to be moved. And they was like, hey, if you get somebody to sign a power of attorney, you, you good to go. I was like, well, they said I give a custody. And they were like, well, no, not over here. If you get somebody watching watch you while you in basic training and AIT, you're good. So I was like, hmm, okay. So I went home to my mom and I was like, mom, um, I just need you to, you know, get power of attorney of Jada. Jada's my oldest daughter. And um, she was like, no, she was like, "Uh, if I don't do it, will you be able to go? So I was like, no, I won't be able to go if you don't do it. She's like, nope, I'm not doing it. So I was like, really? And one day my dad came home and um, I was sitting in my room and I was doing Jada's hair. And so he was like, you really want to go to the military? I was like, yes, I do. And so he's like, come on. And that day we went down and he got guard you know he said well, i'm not gonna do power of attorney i'm gonna do temporary guardianship and he did right then and there he did temporary guardianship for jada and my mom and my dad well my mom was like forced because my dad did the paperwork and <laughs> he um and my mom was like you did what now if my baby go and her toes or something get blown off it's on you so he was like so my dad was like, okay, you got to come back with your toes and your fingers because your mama's going to be mad. So I was like, okay. And that's how I was able to go to the, um. that's how I ended up going to the Army.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I didn't know all that. <laughs> so let me ask you, what advice would you give young women um, that's considering going? Do it. Do it. Don't
1: let anybody detour you. You know, don't let anybody change your mind. We're doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer. You know, the military isn't for everybody, just like college isn't for everybody. The military isn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. And, but my outlook on it is this, Hey, go in, do your first contract. Most people first enlistment is four years, go in, do your first four years. When you come out, you come out with education benefits health benefits. It ain't the best in the world, but it's better than no health benefits. And your kids will be set for, you know, your kids will be set for school. If you don't use your GI Bill, your children can use your GI Bill. Um, I have my son right now. He's in school now, going to school using um, the VA, you know, my VA benefits and things like that. And it is very Because none of my family, like, I'm not going to say none of my family, none of my immediate family wanted me to go to the military. You would have thought I told them I was going to be a stripper. I was like, no, I'm going to the service, not stripping. Did you misunderstand me? They was like, I don't need to go. And mind you, this is like right after 9-11 happened. Mm. Oh, 9-11 happened in 2001 here i go joining the military in 2004 just 3 years later and everybody's in Iraq um everybody's in Afghanistan and they're like what are you doing you know are you crazy don't nobody wanted me to go and i felt like what am i to do and my daddy was like if that's really what you want to do stick to it go and that's what i did and it now is 18 years later, a little bit over 18 years later. And that's like the best decision I ever made in my life.
0: Really? Now, what are some of the misconceptions that people may have about military life?
1: That is a prison. Like, like, we're (laughs) not free. Like, (laughs) I know it sounds funny. Like, I actually have somebody be like, well, when you get off work, what are you allowed to do? I do everything that you do. I'm, I'm free. I just have to act, You know, you know, like, it's not a job that can be like, it's not a job that I can wake up one day and be like, oh, I quit. You know, I'm in a contract for this many years, but, um, they feel like that. They're degrading. You know, they feel like it's really degrading compared to when. Everything evolves. Everything changes. So it's, Not as hard as it was for when my uncle joined, and the military now is not as hard for when I first joined, Mm. and but you know, and it's I tell everybody the military is like any job. Every job have its ups and downs. Good workers, bad workers. Good supervisors, bad supervisors. It's all about what you make it. And if you're not comfortable with yourself, and that's one thing that the military taught me to be comfortable with myself. To love myself because they will up and move you in a heartbeat or you get to know these people. And you're around these people for a certain amount of years and y'all don't grow a bun. And then one day you come down on orders and you have to leave. And now you're starting all over, have to meet new friends. You're eating dinner many a nights by yourself. So if you're not comfortable with yourself, then it'll be really hard for you. And that's how a lot of people wind up getting married. And they shouldn't be married and or they married the wrong person because they lonely and they don't want to be by themselves. So they're like, I'm just going to take this person on this journey with me. And then some of these people get on this journey, they be like, oh, no, I ain't <laughs> signed up for this. You did. And, you know, and they tail up out of there. But and it's it's and I sometimes it's the misconception is like like we don't have a life or another misconception is that we're rich No. We're not rich at all. We learned how to budget with what they gave us. Or we learned how to maneuver with the money that we make. Now, it's not a lot of money with being in the military, Mm -hmm. but the benefits that we get with like, while you're in the military, you can go to school for free. Or or they have TA assistance, or even when you get out, they have the GI Bill, um, like the 9/11 GI Bill, and they have the Montgomery GI Bill that will help you pay for school, and you know they have like the Voc Rehab and things like that. It's like we have a lot of benefits that you know that way outweigh what we don't make. But then mm-hmm. if you learn how to budget, you you, you we do pretty well.
0: Okay. What are um some of the biggest challenges you faced as a as a woman in the military? being a woman in the military
1: that's <laughs> <Dazzle. laughs> being a one being in a man's world as a and I think it's even it's worse because I'm a African American woman
0: mm-hmm. in the
1: military. so it's like we're dead at the bottom of the totem pole, you know. You know the men's always have to say so then the white women can you know their their opinion all outweigh our opinion and we're automatically we are we automatically stereotype as one of two things either a we don't know what we're doing or b we're loud or c we're gonna sleep with somebody to get where we need to go. So they, not, nobody ever, so you're constantly proving yourself. You're you're constantly proving that, hey, I know my job just as well as you know your job. I can do this job in my sleep the same way that you do. And you're constantly, constantly, as a woman in the military, you're that's like the biggest, biggest hurdle is, you know, trying to prove to your peers that, hey, I'm just as good at this as you are. Don't, you know, don't count me out because I'm a female. And they're very quick to be, you know, they're very, you know, like me being special with me being a, um, a sergeant, a non-commissioned officer. They don't want to listen to us. And then the Army, I think the Army is like the only job that I know where an 18-year-old can be in charge of a 42-year-old. Mm -hmm. And there's no way a 42 year old want to listen to an 18 year old or a a 20 year old, you know, you know, they quit. to be like, oh, I got children at home older than you. So we're like, yeah, you're right. But we ain't at home. We're at work. And you acting like a child right now. So you need to listen to what I'm telling you. So and it's really and then being a young female and black. Yes, it's hard. And that's one of the biggest hurdles. Is to get them to listen to you as a woman.
0: Wow, interesting. Um, wow. <laughs> I guess it's 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 same. It's the same no matter where you work. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, are there any like skills or traits that you developed during your time that you find extremely valuable now that if it wasn't for the military, you don't think that you'd have gained this type of skill.
1: The yeah, it's, it's several. I don't even know where to start. To be to be diverse in conversation, like the things that I experience, um, the fact that I'm a woman, and mm-hmm. I could talk about trucks all day. I could talk about how to change tires, how to maneuver them, how to load them up, how to strap them down. And me and you know, people look at me all the time. Like, especially if I'm out and about. And I'm um, and like, oh yeah, I was in the military. And they couldn't they be like, oh, you? You was in the military? Oh, you don't look like you was in America. So then they automatically assume, oh, you must be been in the Air Force. No, I was in the army. And they're like, oh, you don't look like you was in the army. I'm like, what an army soldier look, what an army veteran looks like. Like, what am I mm-hmm. supposed to look like? Mm-hmm. And um it's the to, I don't want to say to the, the to be ready on a dime to drop, say, like um the army teach us to prepare for anything. Like if we have to move out at 7:30. We're preparing from 430 all the way up until we move out at 730. And unfortunately in my daily life, I'm not gonna say unfortunately, but in my daily life, that's how I maneuver. And some people be like, oh, you just worry too much. No, 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 no. I have to I think of every I try to think of every scenario that can happen. If we are an hour off, it's gonna cause this to happen, or it's gonna cause that to happen, or it's gonna cause this or whatever else. I think about all. I think about all kinds of scenarios that can go on when somebody else is getting ready to go somewhere, they just thinking about, okay, it might be traffic. I'm thinking about, okay, make sure I have my, you know, I check my car. I make sure I have spare tire. I make sure I have gas. It's a process for Thank me you. to get out the door. So I make sure I'm prepared to get out the door. Or Even when it comes to my schoolwork, um, Like if I have something due on Thursday, I try my best to get it done two days prior just in case something pop up. And then plus I'm a parent. So and plus if something goes off or the kids forget to tell me something, I have room to maneuver things that could pop up in this situation. So I think that's a a great skill that the military has mm. taught me where you know hope for the best but i prepare for the worst i hope for the best but i prepare for the worst,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's how i maneuver a lot mm.
0: okay so how okay so you have you, you, you talked about about your oldest and um your son is now using the advantage of of your benefits right? You're going to school and things like that. But other than that, how, how do you balance? Like how, how did you balance while you were in the military?
1: My family, my family was a big help. Mm -hmm. My mom, my mother, my dad, my sisters, they was a huge help. Um, My son's father, um, my son's side of the family they was a huge help also. Um, yeah. His father, I think is on run all my kids' fathers are in the military, but we all met at different eras of our life. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. I don't know how the Lord worked that out, but all my kids' fathers are in the military. And mm-hmm. um, my son's father, we was on a rotation for like almost majority of my son's life. We was on a rotation where um where um um uh, uh I had lost where he would be home on the de- he would be home from a deployment and then I would leave for a deployment. So he'll watch this, then he, he'll watch my son for a while. Then when I come home off my deployment, then he'll go on deployment. So it was like Vice versa, you know, one be home, one's going overseas, mm. one come back, one's going. Um his his um father and stepmother and mother and sisters, they was great at watching my son. Um they was even great with watching my um my uh my oldest daughter at the time. I didn't have my young I didn't have my youngest when I was in the military, but my two oldest kids. He never treated my oldest daughter any different. If she needed to go to Texas or come to Texas, she was more than welcome to come to Texas at the same time that my son was there. If, um, and even like, even to this day, even now when he comes up and he visits his son, he visits the kids and we maneuver and even his parents are still the same way. They, they check on my son, they check on my girls. And so we, um, and my youngest daughter' father—that's that's my ex-husband. That's who I was married to. He is the one, um, you know, he checks on my, you know, he checks on my oldest kids just like he check on his youngest daughter. So we had a lot. Family helped a lot with me balancing it. Now, was it hard? Because I personally feel like um, me and my oldest daughter have a strain in our relationship because. She didn't understand, like, she didn't understand when I left, like, hey, I'm not leaving because I want to. I'm leaving because this is what my job is telling me to do. And okay. I'll be back. But, you know, a lot can happen in a year. A year feels like eternity when you're not able to talk to somebody every day or when mm-hmm. you're not able to see the person every day or when you're talking to that person they have, uh, you know, you're having a good conversation, then all of a sudden they gotta hurry up and get off the phone and they and they can't explain to you where they at or what they're doing. And they was like, hey, just you know, just count down the days. I'll be home and smile the days and things like that. And you know, to a child, that's hard to understand. Like, well, I'm not understanding why my mom can't tell me exactly where she at or why she can't tell me exactly what she's doing. And it's like, like, why is it such a secret? And not know you know not understanding that hey i can't give you all this information over the air you know over the phone or whatnot because we don't know who can be listening to our calls or or whatnot so you know that's kind of hard on the chat now my son he was the type of person where he was like he didn't care if i can go to afghanistan if he could have went to afghanistan or iraq with me he would (laughs) have but you know if he could have if he could have went, he would have went, and that's how he's all. He's always been that way. Like, I want to go where you go, or I want to go where. Um, and so my, you know, my oldest daughter, she you know she's more timid than my son. You know, she's slowly, you know, she's slow to make friends. Where my son is used to. Oh, we're always moving. We always, you know, we always going here. We always going there. I got to make new friends everywhere I go. It's a different, you know, I can't, um, I can't sit still, you know, I, I'm not gonna, you know, this is a new adventure. So come on out here. And my, and my daughter like, nah, I'm good. You go be adventurous. I'm gonna sit right here. I'm gonna be quiet. And I'm gonna sit here. But my big dad, if my family was the reason why I was able to, um, I was able to maneuver and I was able to be a good soldier because it been many a times where if I had to go to the field or I had to go do something, um, it been plenty of times. Like my sister Zonia she'll meet me halfway somewhere and she'll come get the babies so they can stay there or so they can get to their long-term, um, you know, to their long-term caregiver or whatever. And they, It's been plenty of times my daddy done flew to Texas where he had to get the baby and bring the baby back to Georgia or bring the baby wherever I was at. And, um, and it's my family. If it wasn't for my family Mm
0: -hmm. and for God,
1: I don't know where I would have been.
0: Okay. Now let's talk about healthcare. How how was healthcare for the, for, um, you as a retired vet or just healthcare in general, um, wellness and all that How how is that
1: it's not the best Mm -hmm. but it's free i don't know i don't know if that makes it better because it's free um we have a lot of soldiers male and female that are um that needs help Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: lets going you know and they i'm not going to say we let Right now, we're short on the resources to get that help because there's so many soldiers. And then some of these soldiers are just now learning that, hey, you're not considered weak if you go get help. Now, it's been plenty of times, like when we in the military, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry, uh, when we was in the military, they tell us, oh, you go on the sit." you know, it's it been plenty of times I have heard, oh, you go on a sit call, Oh, you know, if they send you if they send you home for the day, you're leaving your team short a man and all this. Your workload is going to have to fall on somebody else. You don't want to do that to your team. So they kind of discourage us while we're in the military about going to get help, especially mental health help. They discourage us a lot or. For a long time, it was a stigma that if you have any mental health issues or you have any mental health problems that you will have to, um, you know, you you can't get promoted or it's going to stop your career. You know, you you don't want that rep that you um, that you're that you're crazy or that you're, you're shell shock or whatever. You don't want that rep. Now it's not frowned on. It's not, it's not frowned on. You know, people are learning that, hey. You're not weak. It's okay. You got to go get help. You are no good to your team if you're broken or if you're injured and you can't work to 100%, -hmm. go get the help. As a female in the military, female help and like female provider, like um, like going to a female doctor, like going to a gynecologist and stuff like that, it's very hard to get those type of appointments um really? I, yes it is very hard to get those type of appointments i just try to get an appointment for um to um to see a, a gynecologist and this is in july i'm trying to make an appointment in july they're telling me they don't have an opening to october oh. so i'm like if i have an issue and i have a problem it's gonna get worse because we're allowing months and months to go by and nothing is going on. So then they were like, well, we have this one time walk-in clinic. You could come in, you know, but you know, you only can do it once a year. If you use it this time, you won't be able to use it anymore for the year, but you know, the year is almost up. So I guess you'll be okay. And I'm like, that's not good. We have to, um, women healthcare. Now it has gotten a lot better compared to years before because I say about two years ago I say about two years ago I got my hundred percent I fought for eight years to get my hundred percent and I had to when I say I had to go through tooth and nail to get my hundred percent for the injuries and the disabilities that I had. Um, and you would think like, if you read my, um, if you was to go through my, I guess in civilian world, we'll call it a resume. If you read my resume and you look at all the things that I've been through and the stuff that I had done, you will be like, oh, that's no brainer. You've been deployed four times. So that should give you hundred percent easy. No, I know people that's been in Vietnam that hasn't received, you know, that's only getting 20% or they're only getting 30%. And they've been fighting ever since they was in
0: wow. Vietnam, there's
1: a storm trying to get a, a a fair rating on their injuries. And I'm a firm mm. believer, you know, like when I go in those appointments and I'm a big, big advocate for mental health treatment. I don't care. If any veteran hear me or any veteran is listening, please, please don't sleep on your mental health because your brain is your biggest muscle. If that muscle is weak or that muscle fails, everything else in your body is going to fall. It's not going to work properly. Your brain controls everything. And, you know, when they say it's mind over matter, that's a that is a big statement. That's a. You have to listen to that. If your mind is not in the right form or in the right in a in good shape, it's not much you can will your body to do. If you can't will your mind to do it, you're definitely not gonna will your body to do it. And I am a and 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 I say I'm a big advocate because I had to learn that lesson the hard way myself. And what made me you know what made me fasten down and realize that, hey, T, you have a mental health issue. you have to seek help on this mental health issue is one day uh, I'm sorry for taking so long one day hey, my good. one day my son um I, I black you know I'm out of the military. I'm home. I have a roommate. I have my three kids and, um, my youngest went and my youngest baby, I said, she was about two years old at that time. She went and spent the um, night at my sister's house. And I was in school at the time for, um, to be a pharmacy tech. I was going to school for pharmacy technician and I woke up, or uh, I woke up thinking it was Thursday trying to get my son up and ready for school. I'm getting up and ready for school. My roommate is trying to convince me, hey, no, today is Sunday. What is going on? I go in the room to go get the baby dressed. The baby's not in the room. I spaz out. I can't find my child. I'm calling 911. My roommate calls my sister. My sister's in the house. I'm panicking. My sister don't want to call the police because she's like, she's irate. She's upset. She's looking, we cannot convince her that her child is at my house. My son, my, so, you know, my son, he's quiet. My oldest daughter is there. She's like, I don't know what to do, auntie. She's, she's, she thinks she left the baby somewhere. She don't know where she left the baby. When I tell you, and my sister's like, well, I said, today, I said, Thursday, I have a test today. I got to get up. I said, I have to get out of here. I'm going to be late for school. I don't know if she's playing games. And it was a big, it was a, my sister was like, well, T, you got to come down. You got to come down. They ended up having to call the police. The police was like, well, no, we're not going to handcuff her. We're not going to do anything. Um, The ambulance wouldn't take me because they, my sister said the ambulance wouldn't take me because I was too, I was too out of it. And they felt like I was a danger to them. And my son was like, stop, stop, stop. I know how to get her to calm down. She does this a lot. And my sister is like, what? He was like, yes, you have to count with her. So my sister say my son started counting with me. And so he was like, how many exits? You know, he started talking. My sister was like, my son walked me through it. And he was like, you have to, she have to be able to see a way out of her, she has to be able to see a way out of the situation. She can't see a way out of the situation. She's gonna panic even more. Y'all can't surround. So it's like he's giving them play by play book of how to handle my mental health breaks and my sister. And once I got to the hospital and um, you know, I got sedated and I was calm. And it was the next day. My sister was like. Do you know your son had a play-by-play book of how to get you to calm down and how to get you in the ambulance where you wouldn't be so combative or whatever else? And now, mind you, I don't remember anything that happened. I'm hearing this from third party because they have to tell me what happened, and because I don't remember. And my son is like, "Yes, mom, you do it a lot, especially if she. He was like, usually I can get you to take a nap. I, you know, I can get the, you to lay down and take a nap, and then." We can rewire and you'll wake up better. But for some reason, I couldn't get you to lay down. He said, I just couldn't get you to lay down. And everybody just start barboring with questions and asking you stuff and just got you wound up even more. And that scared me because I was like, what if I'm somewhere in public and my son is trying to calm me down and the police is there and they don't know how to handle it. And I was like, I have to get this under control because I have children that, I have to worry about. Luckily, my youngest wasn't there, and my youngest was safe. But what if I'm driving and I black out in the middle of me driving, and you know, and you know, and I'm I'm an advocate. I go to counseling once a week, every week. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point of time, I used to go twice a week, but now you know I graduated. I only need it once a week, and um, but. And at one point I was on medicine, I was taking my medicine and, you know, I was able to get to where I was able to wing myself. Well, I didn't wing myself, me and my doctor, you know, we winged myself off the, you know, I was able to wing off the medicine to now I'm to the place where I, do counseling, and I have, and I recognize my triggers. If something stressed me, I try my best to walk away from it. I try my best to leave that area. Or, you know, I'm an advocate for mental health, for mental health, and we have to see about our mental. And there's a lot of women that have went through traumas in the military, like sexual assault. Um, You know, they done been, you know, sexual harassed by their superiors and not just by men, by women, by other women and things like that. And Mm -hmm. we have to, um, you know, and they don't talk about it. We keep it and we just keep it bottled up. We keep it bottled up. And that's where I realized where my blackouts was coming from is because I had events that happened like on my deployments and on my different um and at my different duty stations that I wouldn't share with my family because I was like no that's just too you know they wouldn't understand it's too gruesome and oh wow I wouldn't want to put that on you know I wouldn't want to put that on my family and have them feel that way and but then my counselor was like, you know, you don't trust me enough. So you have to find somebody that you trust that you can unload this on to. And she was like, and it can't be another service member because y'all have a weird sense of, you know, they say we have a weird sense of humor. Things that civilians will be like, oh, my God, we're giggling at because we was like, yeah, we know somebody that did that, you know, but this is the outcome. Um, we And we have to process things differently. And we look at death much different than a lot of civilians do because we're taught, hey, you might not come back today. You might not come back. You know, you got, you know, we need to go somewhere for 365 days. That's a possibility. You might not come back. So you have to be, you know, you have to put your mind in the mind frame of, hey, I got to go here and do this job. Keep it, you know, you know how they say, keep your head down, keep it moving. That's our mind frame. And then sometimes, like me, I've deployed four times. So, four years out of my life, I've been in combat. So, it's hard to get out of that mode when you come home. Cause, like, even with me being a truck driver and driving, I forget things all the time. Like, I don't turn, like, we don't use our turn signals. Over overseas, only reason why we would use our turn signals is if we're being fired on, you know, if that's the side, if I turn on my right blinker, that indicates I'm taking fire on the right side. So in the States, I don't turn my blinker on. So I remember one time I got pulled over by the police and he, I was like, oh, why you stop me? He said, you didn't turn on your turn signal. No, I was like, yeah, because ain't nobody shooting at me. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, nobody's shooting. They... They shooting? And he was like, "Ma'am." And so he was like, let me see, you know, give me your driving license. So when I went to go get him my driving license, he saw my military ID. He said, you're a soldier? I said, yes, I'm a soldier. He said, have a good day. I understand now. Now it makes sense when you say, you know, nobody's shooting at you. Okay. You know, remember, you got to use your signal. Welcome home, but use your turn signal. And I was like, wow. oh, okay. And it's, and if, you know, it's hard, and, you know, and I do it now because I had to teach my kids how to drive. You know, my kids are driving age. And for a long time, I would forget to turn on my headlights because I was used to driving in blackout, just driving in the dark. And they'd be like, uh, my, your headlights? And I'd be like, oh, oh, choo-choo. okay. And it's and just some things that we forget. And, you know, we it's hard to let go of. When you're um, even like right now, my kids would say something to me and i will be like, oh, that's a no-go. Because in the Army, you know, we we either it's a go or it's a no-go. And I'm like, and they're like, mama, ain't nobody in the Army. What are you talking about? And I'm like, that's a no. <laughs> or or i be like, can you maneuver a little faster? And they're like, ah. And, and then, and I know it sounds funny because I went to the military my son came home this weekend and he was discussing to me about him wanting to go to the Air Force. And I was like, why? No, school <laughs> not working out for you. What, what's going on? You know, and I think it's the craziest thing, but I let you know, most military personnel don't want their child to go to the military. But if that's what they desire, then, you know, We'll support them, but that will be our last, last result. And I was like, oh, just finish this year out, and then we'll go from there. If, um, you know, if you don't like it this, this first year, so he's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to finish school. But I was just thinking, like, I could do, like, Air Force ROTC. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, cool. That'll work. We can do Air Force ROTC. That means you go in as an officer. You're not, you know, you're not starting in at the bottom. Okay, that makes me feel better because, you know, even though I'm not, I wasn't in the Air Force or anything like that, it's it the military changed you. Some people it changed for the better, some people it changed for the worse. Okay. I I suffer with PTSD, and that's something that I have to learn to work with um, throughout my life. And I, and that's not, you know, it's not a cure for it. It's just something that you learn to deal with okay. as the days go by. But I honestly believe like if I wouldn't have went to the military when I did, there's no telling where I would be at. I, I don't know. I might have about six, seven kids by now. Um, you know, there's no telling, where i would have been in the experience that i have it's not too many people you know if i'm in a room with 100 people i'm sure i'm it might be only 10 people that can sit there and tell you they've been to afghanistan or you know or they seen oil rigs in the middle east or things like that mm-hmm. so it's a, and it's an experience and that's in. um People be like, well, how would you describe it? I'm like, it's like an abusive relationship. Oh. You know it ain't good for you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but the military, it's like an abusive relationship. I'm not going to say abusive. I'm going to say a toxic. It's like a toxic relationship. It is not the best for you. But you know they treat you good, you know you know they give you three hots in a cot they they pay you you get some benefits, you know, and it's hard to leave you know you'd be like, ah, oh, you know this person you know got my blood pressure all up, but uh I can get a bonus if I stay six more years. it's just hard it's hard to leave and wow. people- Every day, would you do it again? I would knowing they like knowing everything that you know, would you do it again? Yes, I would do it all over again.
0: Wow. So let me ask you this. So this is gonna be my last question to you. Okay, how do you practice self-care with everything that you've endured? How do you now practice self-care for yourself?
1: I am um I go, I take a day after I, my, my routine, my monthly routine, I take at least one day and I have that day for me, my kids. I see you when I get back, you know, I might not do anything, but go get a pedicure, manicure and go get something to eat. Talk with my sister, um, you know me. You know me and Jessica. We live in the same area. I go to lunch with her. I spend the day with her, and along the way with my counseling, I take an hour, an hour a day.
0: Dang. Is me
1: an hour a day is my is my time. I don't care what I have going on. I don't care what school assignment is going on. You know, it's not that now. I want to get it to the point to where I could get that hour. At the same time every day, but my schedule don't work out like that. But yeah. I take that one hour for myself. If I sit and if my hour is just meditating and thanking God for getting me as far as I am today, or uh, just being taking my I I take that hour. And also something else that I just incorporated in my self-care, I take 10, I talk a lot. And I know you see it. I you you know me. You know I can talk. I take yeah. ten minutes out of ten minutes out of my day. It's complete silence. No oh. phone. No talking. No nothing. I take ten minutes a day just to be with my thoughts, just to be with myself. And within that hour, and I take whatever come up in my mind in that ten minutes. I jot it down, and I and when I have my hour to myself. I digested. I investigated. Now, why was I feeling like this when I had to sit quiet for 10 minutes? What was my issue? What was my problem? What was on my mind? What had me so anxious that I couldn't sit quiet or it was killing me to be quiet for 10 minutes? What had me anxious? And once I realized what gets me anxious and or that had me riled up, I dissect it and i have to put it in the box was that of importance was that something that needed to be in your forefront right then and there or was that just something that subconsciously i just wanted to worry about because i didn't want to sit quietly and i'm learning how to to listen to me part of my self-care is listening to my body when my body's telling me that i'm tired or if my body is telling me I'm hungry, or if my body's telling me you're getting too big, you need to pick up another exercise routine, I have to listen. I'm learning to listen to me. And that's my biggest self-care, Listen to my body, listening to myself.
0: Okay, well, listen, I appreciate the transparency of you sharing um, You know, some of the things that happened with you. Um, is there anything else that you'd like the audience to know?
1: um no and just when you just um if you know somebody that's in the military or you know somebody that's a veteran just make sure they mental make sure you let them know that you're there for their mental health because a lot of people feel like a lot of soldiers present past they feel like they're alone when it comes to their mental health and that nobody will understand them when it comes to their mental health. Even if you don't understand them, just let them know, Hey, I support you and whatever you want to do to get your mental health together. Cause it's a lot, you know, we lose soldiers every we We lose soldiers every month by hundreds due to suicide and the holidays are coming up and, the holidays are, is really rough on veterans and soldiers. Some of them are overseas, some of them, and even if they're not overseas, they might be hundreds of miles away from their family or hours away from their family and they're not able to see their family like that. You know, if you got room at your Thanksgiving table, invite a soldier to your Thanksgiving table so they don't have to eat alone or they don't have to be by themselves. It's really, you know, the holiday time is a really big time for when soldiers commit suicide and they take their lives. I'd rather talk to you. You know, there's a thing that's going around on Facebook that says I'd rather talk to you till three o'clock in the morning than to talk at your funeral. And I'm one of those people. If you need somebody to talk to, if you need somebody to listen to, I'm here. I'd rather listen to you for four hours rant and rave or I would rather just sit with you for four hours than to sit 40 minutes at your funeral because yeah. you felt like nobody understood you and the only way out was to take your life so
0: all right well thank you so much Tamara I just want to thank you uh, once again uh, for being a guest today and if anyone listening if you're out there interested in being a guest on pause reset brunch Podcast. You may email me at pausebesetbrunch at gmail.com. You can check out the website, www.naturalinting.com, or you can DM me on um, my IG, naturalintingl.l.c. And um, just as Tamara said, if you know a vet, if you know um, someone that's in the military, check on their mental health. Check on them and um, let them know that you're there. On another note, once again, thank you, Tamara. And I just want to say have an awesome, 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 awesome rest of the week on purpose. Thank you. Thank you.